The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, I'm Matthew and I'm joined by my brother Luke. Luke, hello. Evening Matthew, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? Yes, not too bad, thank you. A day later, aren't we? So we've had a day to uh, to mull over the, yesterday's result, but um, yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Good, and I'm also joined by Kevin. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing, sir? Hi, Matt. Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, as as Lukey says, a day to uh, mull over, so uh, it'd be good to get into this one and uh, chew the fat, as it were. So we are here to talk about Crystal Palace's one all draw with Brighton Hope Albion. Uh, took place uh, yesterday, Sunday, at uh, Sellers Park. Still a... Uh, Empty Sellers Park, from the perspective of uh, no fans being there, but it was uh, it was on telly as one of the main games yesterday. So um, we are we are here to digest and talk about all things that game. Um, it's worth saying before we get into it. Don't forget the Six Pointer Podcast is available on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. So please do check us out, give us a follow, and also drop us some comments and any questions you have for us. We are here every week, so uh, welcome to uh, hearing from you. So the Palace game. Uh, yesterday against Brighton, finished one all. Um, Brighton scored a, a very, very late equaliser. Palace led for for most of the game, in fact, didn't they? An early penalty from from Wilf. Um, lots of talking points um, throughout the game to to, to to mull over. But actually, I want to kick us off with probably a little bit of a controversial point. The reaction so far to the game over the last twenty four hours or so has been relatively strong on social media. Lots of calls for the manager to go. Uh, lots of criticism of the team, the way we're set up, uh, the way we are or maybe aren't playing. Um, Kevin, I'll come to you first. What's your what's your view on things? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, Matt, 24 hours on deliberately uh, through work, not had a chance to look at too much reaction. And I think the reason I didn't look at too much reaction was I was quite nonplussed by the way we played yesterday. Um, I think having seen us play so well against Man United and even the Everton game where we played with a, a degree of intensity, we just seemed very lethargic and we'll come on to it. But as pretty much as soon as the game was done, I was done in reaction to it, really, um, because I think we get, got what we deserved, really, um, for a team that was at home trying to get one shot, which was a penalty. Uh, apart from obviously the goal, which was uh, disallowed, which was a real shame because it was a, the best bit of football on the game. Um, so, yeah, I just more disappointed. Having watched Palace Brighton games for over 40 years, very, very disappointed. Thought it was very tame. Uh, and some of that will be to do with the crowd. But, yeah, reaction, possibly an overreaction of what people are saying. But I can understand people's frustration after how we started. So let's pick up on that point then. And Luke, I'll ask you to come in there on how we started. How, how do you think we did start? Because obviously we got the goal pretty early, albeit a penalty. Um, and then kind of uh, probably fed to save the rest of the first half hung on in there. Yeah, I, I think our game plan always was to let Brighton do what they do best. And they have the ball, but then obviously sit those two banks of four back and, and make us very hard to break down. And that's what we did. I mean... I can't, throughout the course of the game, remember too many shots. Well, certainly not from a Palace perspective, but even from a Brighton's perspective, too many shots that Vicente Guaita or even Matt Ryan had to deal with. Um, so, you know, we go back to the old average of, of you know, it's, it's all well and good quoting um, possession stats, but it's what you do with the ball that matters. And, and the fact that Palace were set up very well to frustrate Brighton, which I could hear they were, they were frustrating Brighton, um, especially in the first half. I think they did a very good job of that. 
Um, and for me, it, it was it was players like James MacArthur who was absolutely bossing it, sort of in, in the middle of the park. You could hear him when I was lucky enough to have the, the soundbar issue so I can uh, you know, turn off the commentary. And James MacArthur, he's, it's like having a manager or a coach on the pitch. He's telling, you know, Gyro, get behind the ball, T to Tyrick, T, T, stay there, stay there. Andros, chase him down. He's literally doing the manager's job on the pitch. Um, and we were very resolute, very hard to break down. Obviously, frustrating that we didn't offer more going forward. But just to touch on your, your point that you put to, to, to Kevin, Matthew, I think the goal, the late goal, changes the complexion of the game completely. If that goal doesn't go in, you're not getting calls to sack Roy. You're, everyone's saying, oh, it's a brilliant defensive before, performance, you know, bringing on Luka Milivojevic um, with 20 minutes to go, 15, 20 minutes to go, shored up the game. Um, and it wasn't for, you know, just a, a, an unlucky miskick from Joel Ward and a, a huge deflection of Gary Cahill. Um, it goes from a, a great three points to a disappointing draw, isn't it? Um, whereas I thought Palace actually, throughout the game, did did well um, without actually offering anything in, in the final third. So what is the reaction then? Is it disappointment to a late goal? Is it reaction and disappointment to uh, being at home and sort of having, was it one shot against sort of the opposition's 10 plus? Is it that we weren't really sort of going at them? So I can't remember too many Palace um, breaks if, if we're set up to catch on the counter. I mean, the disallowed goal, uh, the magnificent finish it was, wasn't it? Uh, mm. Being the only one. And that was a very tough offside one. We'll touch on this later. But you know, I can't think of many times Palace sort of put the put Brighton under it. Sort of. Um, uh, do you think that that's part of it, Kev? Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I mean, I think you, you've talked about the only two real bits of attacking football we did, which was the cross for the penalty, where obviously Andros has gone down and whipped it in. Great cross with the right foot. And obviously, the I think it's Lamptey, the, the right back, has, I think, bought one a bit with Batchai. They did very well to get the penalty. Um, and then, obviously, I, in fairness, um, Batch's shot for the goal was great. But the bit which I like was what Riedeveld did before with the ball with the outside of his boot. It, it, you know, if that had been played by a Brazilian, that would still be... You know, they'd still be enthusing over it. It was a wonderful ball. Took me back to Pardew back in 89 when he whipped the ball across for the first goal against Blackburn on the 3rd of June, 1989. Not that I'm a sad I remember it. When our first guy in the playoffs where he did it with the outside of the boot, this was a different, this was, a, I think, outside of his left foot to put it through as opposed to Pardew on the right. But that was the one bit of football and that was something, something that I thought stood out. But... Apart from that, I don't really remember us attacking. I think, I think what frustrated me, Matt, yesterday, if I'm really honest, is I think Brighton did a uh, did a number on Wilf. They kept getting under his skin. I'm sure uh, your brother mostly picked this up via the soundbar. But there were so many little niggles on Wilf, and he kept going to the ref, looking at him because he was getting pulled, whether it be by Lamptey or by that six foot ten lurch who was playing at the right back for uh, the on the other side. You know, um, and and I think they got under Will's skin, and he di he didn't do anything to threaten. I I think I counted seventeen minutes in the second half before he'd actually touched it properly, um, and th and that's it. We just didn't look a threat going forward, and and I think that for me is what's disappointing. It's more the fact that you know from what we saw against Man United, from what we saw against Everton, I I didn't see the Chelsea game, so I can't comment, but. It, it just feels as though they were there for the taking yesterday. They are a good side. You know, they have a lot of the ball, but they've also conceded 10 goals in three games before yesterday. They were there for the taking. And, you know, I, 
it's just disappointing, as you say. If it doesn't get a lucky deflection, we're sitting possibly fifth in the table and everyone's saying master plan. But because of it's not, then as you say, people do tend to overreact. I do think we were a little bit stayed yesterday afternoon in the second half and I thought, could we have gone for it a bit more? But we know what we're going to get with Roy. So, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your chance, you get what you get. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I've gone I'm on actually- too long. No, no, I was just going to say I'm envious of you, Kev, the fact that you didn't watch the Chelsea game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, the, 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 I actually saw the tweet, the Opta, Opta tweet. So this was that um, since they started recording shots data in the 2003-2004 season, so Palace are the first team to have just one shot in a match in the, in the Premier League and that, have that one shot be a penalty. And, and Matthew, you touched on it earlier. I think part of it is that people want to be entertained so if you're not creating chances going forward then people are going to have this um idea oh this is royable you know defensive midfielders and not not really creating anything up front but maybe it's also a, a, a factor of the situation where we are that people are now watching at home there's more people watching the games and more people have got opinions on the games and then they go on social media and voice those opinions rightly or wrongly you know it's, it's a platform for people to do that but yeah a, a bit of an overreaction i think when you consider the first two games of the season were, 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 were you know, brilliant, weren't they? And, and everyone was saying, you know, boys, boys uh, doing a great job. And then, you know, two defeats and a draw afterwards were, were suddenly back to where we were after the, what was it, seven defeats at the end of lockdown. So I think we need to look at how we controlled the game um, from a sense of uh, not allowing Brighton to, to, to over, overrun us, as it were. But there is a slight concern that we aren't creating more attacking chances and especially when you've got people like Eze who, who, who you know personally I think starting Schlupp was the, the right decision because I thought he was our best attacking outlet on um, on Sunday um, I, I loved the bit also where he tracked back you see Tarek Mitchell got done by Lamptey and uh, he tracked back and absolutely smashed him didn't he and, and sort of said <laughs> there you go son well, welcome yeah. to the Premier League as well to the Premier League yeah there's your first, your thirteenth game present, but you know, yeah, I, I think when you lost Schlupp, you know, when he came off, we sort of lost any chance of, of creating anything more. So yeah, a bit, a bit of disappointment, but there were a few changes, weren't there as well? We take that consideration. Um, you know, Gary Cahill came in, and goodness me, how he's been out with what is it, a torn hamstring, or whatever. You'd never know, right? He's um, absolute beast of a, of a centre back. He is makes such a difference. I think it was so much more solid as a back four with, with him in the mix there as well. Um, I was disappointed as, as I didn't start. I thought, given we were home. Um, and I, I must admit, I'm still not set on the Wilf up front thing. I think we touched on this last week, or week before rather, because the international break. I, I'm st- I still think Wilf is better as a, as a winger, but that's not the way he's going to be played, clearly. Um, I think Roy has to play with what he's got to work with. Um, but I would still argue that he has a few more options now so that we can switch it up. And I, I just feel that at home and, and the rivalry thing, thing comes into it. There's not a crowd of people there, but both clubs know, both both sets of players clearly know there's a rivalry and that the um, the game means a lot to, to a large chunk of the fan um, population on both sides. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of bite. And I, and I particularly towards the end of the game, it was getting quite tetchy, wasn't it? It's was quite a few sort of um, close tear-ups and, and the like going on but I, I was less slightly um, underwhelmed probably with the, the performance given we were at home and, and given that you know we've largely performed relatively well this season as you mentioned Luke 
first couple of games are actually fantastic. Since then, it's not been as good, but we've still, you know, not been a million miles off the pace. Um, and I, I just felt that t- yesterday was a game that um, we could have we could have put them under a bit more. Having said that, you know, like you said, um, we, we were set up to play a certain um, a certain game plan. I, I do wonder if the early goal for us influenced us to a negative um, or a neg- in negative way. So did it mean we went a bit too defensively game plan early on? which then meant the rest of the game did pay out and, you know, people have the right to be disappointed with us being less attacking at home because of that. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It kind of, the goal kind of felt inevitable for me. It felt like we were hanging on and we were really yeah. hanging in there towards the end. And, and I wasn't actually surprised when it went in. Um, uh, I don't know, Kev, what, what did, what did, how did you take yeah. it? It was late, right? It's hard to take a yeah. late goal. Yeah, I think as I said a little while ago, Matt, to be honest with you, when the goal went in, as much as it pains me to say it, and I said this when we did the pod last time uh, in December, just after the Brighton game at home, if you look at that game, they were better than us for 70 minutes and we threw everything at them to get that equaliser in that game. I just thought that we would have shown a bit more. So when that goal came, it was coming. Um, You know, you have to give Brighton credit again. They didn't stop. And I think you said 10 plus. I think uh, I think I saw it right yesterday on Sky. I think they had 20 attempts is what they were classed as. 20 attempts as the away team. They just kept coming. And, and, and it did feel a degree of inevitability to me. Then it went in. What made it worse for me was my mother-in-law was sat in the different room watching it on a telly, which is obviously two or three seconds ahead of my kitchen. So she had the pleasure of shouting out to Brighton, oh, Brighton have just scored. And I'm thinking it's 94 minutes. You're watching the wrong game, you batty old woman. And then it turned out that they had. So you can imagine I had a, an extra reason to kick the telly if I'd been a bit taller and been able to reach the telly. Um, but I couldn't. So uh, by the time I'd got me back out of traction, I thought, sod it, just accept it, Kev. You know, you, you, you've all, if you're really feeling really sad, wait till the West Ham Spurs game comes on. Because if you want to see some emotions, then watch how those fans are feeling. <laughs> made us look, made ours look a bit soft, I thought. So, yeah. But no, in, in, in all fairness, Matt, absolutely right. Degree of inevitability. Um, and, that's, and I think that was it for me for the first time in many, many, many years of watching Palace Brighton games. I just thought, oh, well, that's... I can't have expected any more because of the way we played in that bit of the game. Um, but we didn't lose. And that, to me, is still very, very important. We didn't lose the game. Yeah, well, Matthew mentioned the rivalry. And you're right, Matthew. I think the players definitely do know about it. And you could sort of hear interactions. And you could see interactions on the pitch. You know, Czech was, was up for it yesterday. There was a bit of him and Dan Burns, I think, in the penalty area early on. And then there was a, actually quite, something I quite enjoyed seeing was, was Tarek Mitchell when Lamptey sort of tripped him after the ball went out, he got up in his face and, all right, perhaps you shouldn't be condoning that sort of behaviour, but it was quite nice to see him, a youngster breaking through, stand up for himself and, and um, you know, have that bit of bite. You know, he showed that he wouldn't, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be bullied, as it were. Um, and then you had Wilf, uh, as always Wilf, to, to Webster and Burns, there was the, the, the shut-up bands and all that sort of thing where, that I first told about sort of 70, 75 minutes where um, it was obviously getting a bit more uh, into the mire. But... Um, I think I found that part entertaining, you know, the fact that the players got it, you know, the rivalry. I mean, for me, I mean, I spoke about this before and probably not going to make myself the most popular, but Brighton, you know, I'm not, I, I, I understand the rivalry, but it's it's not something which I, I feel, you know, I don't hate Brighton. I haven't got any sort of really ill feelings for Brighton because, it was, forgive me, Kevin, but it's before my time, you know, for me, it's always been Millwall. Um, mm. but that's just because I guess I went, I went to a, a school in South London. Um, 
It's all right. My wife's family are Millwall fans, so, uh, you know, it's all good. Can I I just clarify, though, Matt, before we get there, in in case anyone comes around to break my legs, um, (laughs) I I actually, uh, as as Luke will hopefully back me up on, I actually don't have an issue with Brighton. I mean, I understand why the rivalry is, and I was, what, eight years old when it was all kicking off in 77, 76, 77. Um, So I understand it. But to me, it was just an exciting rivalry because, you know, in the old third division, you were getting 33,000 fans at Sellers Park when Vince Hilaire was playing. So for me, it's always been a it's it's been an exciting rivalry. I think it's only as it's as, you know, in the last sort of 10, 15 years, it has appeared to get quite nasty. I mean, I've been down in Brighton at the Goldstone ground when I was 18 years old and it it was frightening. I'm not going to lie. And and that's intimidating. Um, but I think, you know, anyone who's watched Brighton over the last three or four years, they've played some good stuff. And, I, I, I you know, I, so I don't have that. I don't have any of that feeling. I don't know if it's because I'm just an old, crusty man now in my 50s. But the fact of the matter is I just enjoy watching good football. Um, and I would have just liked to, to, but you know, it's a shame there wasn't a crowd there yesterday because I would just like a bit more of a bite in what is, to me, still one of our most important games, derbies, and the one we look for in the fixture. That's all I would have liked. Sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to cut across you, but no, I, say, I just I wanted to say that. I think, I think rivalries are very contextual, aren't they? For uh, I think like Lou was touching on sort of the, um, the era or the time you grew up within. So, you know, obviously uh, Luke and I are not too far away, age difference. And I think you do grow up with friends at school who support opposite teams or the other local team. And that's kind of where the the banter, as they say, the jokes, yeah, yeah. the sort of the, the playground chat is, you know, coming into school on a Monday morning after Palace have beaten someone. You know, I always, I always remember when Palace beat um, Arsenal in the Premier League and John Solarco scored twice. It was a yeah. hybrid. 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1,
missed Jordan Ayew and obviously wishing him a speedy recovery from um, his positive code. So, I mean, luckily, he says he feels fine. But I, th- I think the same way that we say he's very clever, that the fact that he can hold up ball and, and win fouls, I think Batshuayi has been a bit clever there and uh, won us a penalty. And we, I think we really missed Jordan yesterday, certainly yeah. in terms of carrying the ball up the field and then having that opportunity to stop the play and think, reset and think, right, OK, let's push forward now. We, we, we didn't have anyone to do that. But yeah, Kev, I, I'd be interested in your views on the penalty. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're right. Did they play together at Chelsea at any point? Would he have played with him? Because he, because I must admit, I really liked the right back. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought he was yeah. outstanding. He, I, I saw him in the, I think it was possibly their first game of the season against Newcastle, where he was outstanding, and he, he didn't stop. And and what I liked, and a bit like Luke made reference to the uh, Mitchell thing with him. They kept going at it toe to toe. It was a real good chat, uh, battle. And I think that's refreshing to see when you've got two young English lads coming in hungry, doing what they're doing. So I, I thought that was very good. Can I can I just mention one other thing, though, Luke, just here? Um, for all the things that Starbys are, obviously they're intense and you would have picked up through your soundbar a lot of what was going on yesterday. Make a note of this because you might think that I've been drinking, but I haven't. Um, Lewis Dunk made a, a, a really bad challenge on uh, Cahill, you know, and thankfully Cahill was okay. In my honest opinion, Lewis Dunk did what I think the Sky commentator said was he made his legs big t- to try and do it. Obviously, he caught with him. What I thought was very good is as much as he caught Cahill, as soon as he had caught him and was done, he knew he was going sent off. But he stayed there and he made sure that Kay was all right. And I think, you know, we make a lot as Palace fans and Bright, Brighton will of us of digging out each other's players and that. But fair play to Lewis Dunk. He got sent off for, you know, quite rightly so. But he was still man enough and professional enough to make sure that Kay was right. And I think that says a lot that you play hard, you work hard. But ultimately, these blokes invariably do get off the bench afterwards and have a drink and a chat. And I thought that was actually quite important in what can sometimes get lost in the derby game. Sorry, but just in that same penalty area that the penalty was given. I think you're right, Kev. I noticed that myself as well. He did hang around, didn't he, and make sure it was all right. Also something there in the huge amount of respect people have for Gary Cahill, as would say as well. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, totally. 100%. He's earned respect amongst his 100%. peers and um, they make sure that he's all right when they do something like that. Yeah. I don't think there's anything malicious in it, to be honest with you. No, I did absolutely. think it was a bit late, a bit wild, sort of a bit rash, but that's what it was. But it wasn't malicious in the sense he was trying to hurt anyone. No, absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw that in. So, if there were any Brighton players coming around to smash me house up, please don't. We're all we're all friends on this pod, Kevin. You know, we might support different football clubs, but uh, we're, all, we're all here for the love of football. So, football's the winner, any, right, Matt? Football's the winner. Exactly. For any uh, fans of opposition clubs uh, listening in, thanks for joining us. Uh, we do talk mainly about Palace. Sorry about that, but uh, we will touch on other clubs here and there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was a I guess it was a disappointing end to to a game that. Um, so it was set up, wasn't it, to be quite a, a two, two-ended game, if you like, in the sense yeah. of, you know, both, you bought five clubs would, would, would sort of really give it a go and for whatever reason, Palace, Palace didn't. I, I, I guess we have to move on from here, you know, and as you said, Kev, we haven't dropped three points here. Uh, we've only dropped two. Uh, it is a draw. It does keep us on, uh, on level terms with the, with the rivals in Brighton as well. So no face loss in that respect, although they will obviously claim blagging, bragging rights by the, by the late goal. Mm. Um, where, where do we go from here? Because there is a lot of reaction we've touched on, whether people do agree with elements of it or not. I must admit, I do understand. Uh, I must admit, I do understand an element of it. Um, I'm not sure I agree with the manager going, um, but I do think there needs to be some sort of um, change in, in approach because we do seem relatively single um, approach-minded, for want of a better term there. Luke? Yeah, I- 
well, I mean, what's the point in, in sacking a manager when the transfer window is just closed? I mean, if, if, if it's the fact that you're not perhaps utilising the players, maybe, but then again, that comes back to the game plan. You know, maybe Eze wasn't su- suited for that game. And let's not forget um, that Eze's, he's only played, what, four Premier League games? And maybe he's only got 90 minutes in two of them, I think, maybe. So, you know, we, we talked before the season, I think Matthew and I spoke after the, the Charlton pre-season game where it was his first game, he played 45 minutes anyway, is that we need to make sure we don't expect too much of these kids, you know, because there is a transitional period of him getting used to the Premier League and um, it might have been that Roy thought that throwing him in would have, you know, he would have wilted under, under the pressure of, of, of the game or maybe the fact that he might have just got bullied because, you know, he's not James McArthur, Luka Milivojevic, he needed a bit of steel in the midfield. Or maybe he didn't train well in the week, or maybe he was late Possibly. training. Or, you know, it, it, there's millions of reasons why players won't start and play. I guess, I guess the point is more just that we do now have some options uh, on the bench and in the squad as well to change it up. So it doesn't have to always be a one a one size fits all approach, right? Mm. Yeah, and, and Kevin mentioned, you know, Batchaway's goal. I mean, I, I, it was millimetres offside, but Jara Reader, well, we've got to mention a, a shout-out to him because I thought he was fantastic, especially in the first 45. He's got that yeah. ability because he's quite broad, isn't he? He's broad-shouldered. He's got that ability to sort of turn and put his body quite quickly in between the ball and the opposition and really shield the ball well. And there's a couple of moments where he, he absolutely barged a few of the defenders left, right and centre. I think Palace, I think, probably won the physical match yesterday in, ter- in, 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 that, in that sense. Um, but there was a great moment, wasn't there, where, where Jairo did that and he sort of took a few steps out of midfield and Kev, you mentioned the beautiful outside of the foot uh, pass to Michi Bashiwai. It was a great finish and a minute, it's millimetres away from people saying, oh, brilliant, you know, he's off the mark as a Palace striker this season and, you know, let's see him start another game and this this time, you know, you can, we, we have, like you say, Matthew, we have got options so maybe it's uh, Bashiwai and Benteke up front, maybe it's Bashiwai and Ayu, maybe it's, you know, you've got Options have um, different combinations, which which for me is is exciting. Yeah, I mean we miss James McCarthy as well. Let's not forget in the middle. Mm. Um, it's still interesting that Luke can't get in the team despite despite James McCarthy being out. I always thought that the minute one of those two Jimmy Max was injured, that 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 would be it. Luke would be back in the team, but he still wasn't yesterday. It's very interesting there. Well, I think Wright really well did really well in preseason, didn't he? And then he got injured just before the Southampton game. Right. Um, so I think maybe it's a little bit of that of giving Gyro his chance that I think he probably earned during preseason. Um, and Luca, yeah, Luca's match fitness. I think after the the League Cup game, Ray Lewington was did the press conference and said, you know, he's way behind the other boys. So perhaps he's simply not up to starting a starting a game yet. I do wonder if if Roy has certain perhaps more faith in someone like Luca. So if you get someone like him in the field, in, in the start of 11, you might be able to have someone like Eze and allow them to, to go free a little bit more because you know you've got someone like Luca behind and, and someone that Roy trusts to, to do the, the dirty work, as it were. Yeah. So where do we go I mean, from here, chaps? Well, I, can, I, can I just comment, Matt, on, 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 on Jaro? Because I, I, I must admit, I think Luke just said there, you know, he's earned his, he earned his most of his chance through what he did in pre-season. I would go back and say he's been earning it for mostly two or three years ever since he came over. It must have been very difficult when he came over. De Boer gets the boot almost immediately. Uh, and and I looked at him at one point yesterday and thought, do you know what? A lot of guys would have cut and run and they would have thought, no, I'm not making it. I'm not getting through. I'm not going to get into this. And I, I thought he came of age as a player yesterday for me. I thought in that first half, like you, I thought he was outstanding, actually. I thought he was really good. And I'll be the first one to say I've been a little bit sceptical because I've mostly not seen enough of him play. Um, but what I really liked, and yes, yes, he's come from the Ajax Academy or whatever. What I loved, and I think it was just before the goal, actually, 
he almost invites that pressure on. It's almost the tighter the space, the more comfortable he is with the ball being played into him. And he, he skipped away two or three times yesterday. And I thought, I like you. I like the way you are. But as you say, it's, it's how you accommodate him with what else you're going to come on. You know, Ben Teke only came on for three or four minutes, but I almost mm. thought he worked some magic right up that far end. If that had come down a little bit, it, you know. So, you know, there are options and there are things we can do. Uh and, and again, we've only got to go back a few years, gentlemen, and we'd played seven games. We hadn't scored a goal. We hadn't got a point. So let's not get too um, too carried away or too too flat. I mean, we say it nearly every few pods which I'm involved in. You know, if you support Palace long enough, you, you learn not to get too excited one way or the other. And that actually is not a bad place to be. You know, I, I ultimately still think we'll be between... You know, tenth and thirteenth, ideally. And if you if you if you finish tenth, technically for me, that's you know that's the second part of the league's Champions League, isn't it? Because if you say the top <laughs> six are as, as as good as given, then you're you're pushing between seven and tenth to be in the top four of what I would call the next tier of Premier League sides, of which we are one. So you know, let let's see where we are in another five games, and then we can either get excited or say, you know, that's mostly going to set our season. And let's be honest, I think the next three or four games um, are very winnable games. I think we've still got to remember we've we've played five games, we've played the team who are top of the league by three points currently, we've played Man United, we've played Chelsea. We've played our sort of local rival, which is always a, a bit of a niggle game. And we've played Southampton, who've come back and got a point at Chelsea again over the weekend. So, you know, I think the beauty of this season of a premiership with some of the crazy results that happened a few weeks ago is anyone can beat anyone. And there is no stand outside. Because if you said to me, look, Everton are three points clear, we, we gave as good as we got against Everton. And it was only by that silly penalty, really, that we've lost the game. So... You know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly going to be interesting going into the Fulham game. Um, like Kev, Kev said, there's a we're now approaching a, a run of games that are certainly more favourable than, than what we've had on paper. But Fulham are you know going to be desperate for the. I think they've only got one point. Is that right? Is one that point. Their first point yesterday. Um, first point. Yeah. Sheffield United. Yeah. So they're they're going to need to make an impression, and it's certainly going to be all change from Palace's point of view in the sense that. Jordan Ayew isn't going to be in contention. As I understand it, Gary Cahill's shin's blown up. And, you know, whilst it's not anything too serious, I don't think he'll be playing. So you're going to have a, another centre-back pairing. You know, will uh, Sacco come back in with Coyote? And will we'll, we'll read the world, keep his position? So it's certainly going to be an interesting week or so, isn't it? And even more interesting, I guess, the fact that this is going to be the first Palace game we're going to watch, which is going to be available to view on BT Sport box office. Now, BT and Sky Sports box office have got these things. So, boys, are you going to be paying £14 or whatever it is for the pleasure of watching Palace away at Fulham? When is it, mate? Next weekend? Next Saturday? Saturday. This is Saturday coming, isn't it? Yeah, 3 o'clock kickoff. BT Sports Sport box office. Nine, this, this, I think it's 14 95 or something like that. Um, I mean, maybe that's a discussion we need to have as well, I mean, how you boys think about that, because I think our next two or three games are actually via that method. So if you want to watch Palace and you, you know, you're not going to, you want a guaranteed stream as it were, um, you're going to have to pay 14 pounds. And I'm not sure quite how I feel about that, given the fact that I've paid 600 pounds for a season ticket. All right. Fair enough. They've said they're going to refund me part of it, but it just feels there was a missed opportunity there with, for, the, for the Premier League or, or the football clubs anyway, to, 
to, to go to their loyal fans, perhaps those that had already uh, put their money into the club and the faith into the club and bought season tickets to say, all right, well, we'll sort you out for here this way, you know, like they did back in the last season by giving you codes and, and things like that. Mm. I don't know, it, it slightly irks me that I'm, if, I, if I want to watch the game, I'm having to pay £14 for it, even though I've already paid. I, I, I don't know. What do you feel about it, Matthew? So it's an away game, right? So for me, as an away game, and one that I can choose to pay to watch, I'm actually okay with it. And, and if you'd said to me it would be a tenner to watch it, I wouldn't have any qualms at all. I'd had happily pay a tenner to watch Palace play. And um, as an away game as well, you know, I'm saying away game because even if I, I've worked season ticket at home games, I don't get the away game. So I don't mind paying for that so much. So am I going to, am I going to moan and, and, you know, complain about an extra fiver? It's not worth it really. So, so will I pay for it? Yeah, probably will. Probably will uh, for convenience and just the ease of being able to watch it and know I can watch it guaranteed and without any messing around. Um, do I think it's the right thing to do when your team's at home? No. Um, I think as the home team, you should have it included in your season ticket. If you've got a season ticket, you then get into the, the the contention of being unfair, giving some people the chance to not to watch it. So there's an element there. But I, 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 yeah, I'm not I'm not completely against it. However, I would say for the general population and thinking about giving people the chance to watch the games, it's too much money. Um, I, I, yeah, I think personally, yeah. Kev. Yeah, I'm 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 hundred percent with you, Matt. I mean, obviously, I'm unlike you boys. I'm I'm not a season ticket holder because of my daughter playing, as you know, Saturday afternoons for who she plays for a team we won't mention. Um, but yeah, I mean, for an away game, I, I ten quid felt great. Fourteen ninety five, as you say, is a bit of a it's not a Mickey take, but it's just pushing it beyond. If you look at the climate we're in at the moment. Mm. If, if players weren't being sold, you know, when COVID started, no disrespect, there was talk of transfer windows being sensible. And all I've seen is transfer windows be stupid. So if there had been a degree of common sense there, I could understand it and thinking, yeah, you know what? Um, but there hasn't been any simple. So it just feels greedy to me personally. And I, and I don't know who's to blame. I don't know if it's the clubs, whatever. Um, but, you know, you're hearing talks of, you know, a breakaway league or the super people, the big six having more power and that. And it just feels as though it's it's pricing the common man and lady out of the game, which we love. And that that's frustrating. I mean, like any of us, I'd love to play to watch Palace. And, and let's be honest, you all want to watch an away game. Every Sellers part is wonderful, but it's great to go to an away game. You know, everyone loves to go to an away game. So... I don't know. I, I, I think they've missed a trick. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's worrying. It's a bit like Sky Box Office on the uh, boxing when it started. It started off relatively cheap and it's got up. So it's 15 quid now. What's going to happen if this continues for another season? God forbid. You know, is it suddenly going to be 25 quid to watch an away game? You know, I, I, the average person can't afford this in the current climate. And that's where I think it's, I think, morally wrong. Because as you say, when you look at across the country it's not fair some people might be able to pay it but a lot of people won't be able to pay it and uh, when they're being stuck in their homes and they can't go and do things particularly if they're in certain lockdown areas that feels an opportunity missed by people but there you go that's just my take on it Matt sorry no I, I agree with Kevin especially in, like you say in a situation where we can't watch the game together you know Matthew you and I may have gone halves on the on the 14 quid or 7 quid or you buy it one week I buy it the next that sort of thing spread the cost around and yeah it's difficult but the one 
thing that perhaps made it a little bit easier to swallow is the fact that Project Restart, Project Big Picture has been completely canned. But this, um, I don't know the intricacies of the deal, but I think that part of um, the money which is going to the EFL is coming from the Premier League. This may be being funded by these box office games. I, I assume that Sky and BT are obviously going to make a nice tidy bit of profit on it as well. But, you know, the, maybe the, the one saving grace is the fact that, you know, potentially you're, you're helping out um, the low ends of the pyramid by by paying £14. Maybe that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Probably the only positive I can I can find out of it, really. Um, yeah. Well, that and, and, and the fact that I haven't got to deal with um, a dodgy stream and getting pop-ups telling me there are loads of Russian birds in my area looking to pick up. Yeah, but they are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're outside the door, mate. <laughs> Editing or not? <laughs> nah, we'll leave that in. <laughs> so Fulham, Fulham away then next week. Uh, whether or not uh, we choose to, to to switch on to watch it, I think there definitely does need to be a reaction uh, from the yeah. from the side. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I, and I think we'll go and get three points there. Actually, uh, I, I I like Scott Parker, but I, I think he's got a hell of a job to keep Fulham up already, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean obviously surprising that Sheffield United are struggling down there at the moment, but. It's going to be very hard to keep a Fulham in the Premiership, and that's and that's no disrespect to them. It's just a tough, tough gig. Um, but yeah, I I expect a reaction from us, and I expect us to go and win there. And we think it's all set up for Palace to lose it though. So Fulham at home haven't won yet in the Premier League. <laughs> Surely it's set up for Palace to lose this one, Luke. It's, it's, it's the perfect recipe, isn't it? But it's strange, isn't it, how the way we talk about it. It makes me think about um, how far we've come as a football club, that we are going to Fulham and we're expecting to win. Almost maybe the way that certain Palace fans expected to beat Brighton, perhaps that's where the disappointment comes after it as well, because it was almost like, a, you know, the rivalry intensifies it, I appreciate, but maybe Palace were expected to beat Brighton and, and the same can go for the next few games so there's certainly it's certainly going to be interesting to see the, the reaction if Palace don't get a win at Fulham um, you know in terms of the fan base because I think that there's the, the Royale Brigade are, are slightly growing in numbers um, and you know uh, uh, anything but three points in Fulham might intensify that that campaign as it were well, let's hope that is the case that we do pick up the three points and get uh, things back on track from a performance perspective as well as um, in the league. Chaps, as always, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thanks for joining me this evening. Um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us also. Um, always great to have you with us. Don't forget uh, the socials, Six Pointer Podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a message, drop us a follow. Love to hear from you. Uh, until next week, uh, gents, thanks very much again and up the palace. Up the, up palace. the palace. The Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, 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 uh,